This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time to turn your garden into a smart garden on News Radio 830 WCCO. Smart Gardens, an hour of expert advice and answers to all of your lawn and gardening questions. You can call 989-9226 or text us at 81807. Now, here's Denny Law with this week's Smart Garden. Brought to us every week by our friends down near Jordan, Minnesota at By the Yard, the best patio furniture in the whole world. We've got some great brain power in the studio today. Not that we don't usually, but uh, we're talking lawns and gardens on our Smart Garden show. If you're new to the show, thank you for joining us. Mary Meyer is back with us, a horticultural science faculty member at the Extension at the University of Minnesota. Good to see you, Mary. Good morning, Denny. Good to be here. One week, and it's a whole world of difference weather-wise, isn't, isn't it? it? Wow. Yes. A lot of rain and cooler temperatures. We've been steadily dropping since I got in here early this morning. We're at 45 degrees. But everyone's looking at their garden. Oh, Everyone is looking and getting ready to, to yep. garden. Things right. have popped out. It's just, uh, just great. Well, Mary is here, as she is often, to uh, answer our lawn and garden questions. But we mentioned it earlier that our friend Gail Nazal from SNS Tree is, is back. She is, among other things, I know we could spend the next 20 minutes giving you an introduction, <laughs> Gail, but uh, you are a certified arborist, but uh, you went to the U of M too, didn't you? I did. I got my bachelor's and master's degrees in urban forestry at the U. Yeah, she knows her stuff. So if you have, we mentioned it earlier, if you have a tree, particular tree questions today, well, Mary, of course, will field your regular lawn and garden questions as well. But if you do have specific tree questions, uh, Gail will field those as well as Mary, too. So uh, bring them on, 651-989-9226, or send a text if you like, 81807. Uh, Mary, here's one a text for you. Is it too early to sow my wild, wildflower seeds that came from Jeff and Maple Grove? Wild wildflower seeds. Uh, no, it isn't too early to put out wildflower seeds. Um, the unfortunate thing is the, the soil got warm and now the air temperatures are colder. So a lot of the germination won't happen with seeds until we get closer to consistently 70 degree temperatures. But you can uh, go ahead and sow them now. They like good seed soil contact. Okay. Uh, Gail, here's one for you. Came in earlier. What can be done to address unsightly surface root problems around many of our trees? Can we cover? We get this question a lot. Can we cover them with dirt? And if so, how deep? What what is your reply to that? We do get that question a lot. Um, Really, the best thing is to kind of recreate what I think of the is the forest floor. Is that don't cover them up with with soil. Um, probably the best thing to do would provide a, a light um, mulch layer of two to four inches over that area. I know that some of the roots that go quite far out into the uh, the canopy area of the tree, it ends up being a big ring, but that's really probably the best way to deal with those roots is just a light mulch layer. That's what we did that at our house uh, over the years. That really does make a difference, too. And there's less there's less lawn less to mow. Less lawn to mow, <laughs> that's As a matter of fact. Happy and it looks roots, good, too. Trees. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. 651-989-9226 or send the text, as I said, 81807. 
<laughs> okay, Mary, we're getting the question early. Creeping Charlie, spray even after blooming done? If so, what is the most effective technique? Thanks for the show. That comes from Bill in uh, Bloomington. Yes, uh, we see a lot of Creeping Charlie blooming right now. You can continue to treat it uh, Whether or not it's blooming, uh, you need green foliage to uptake those chemicals. We recommend that you use a combination of more than one active ingredient in the broadleaf weed control, and you probably will need to put it on at least twice. So you need to have a lot of green foliage there to take up the, the chemical. So sometimes what we see are small plants with a lot of flowers on them. The flowers don't necessarily take up the chemicals, the green foliage that you need. And, uh, yeah, think about uh, probably two applications of that. I want to get back to the phones uh, this morning, but I want to grab this text for Gail. Uh, it says, uh, tree injections for my healthy-looking 25-plus-year-old ash tree. A person is calling from uh, from Blaine. Is that something uh, you guys do? Is is injectories there? We do. SNS, That's right? certainly a, a good uh, preventative type of measure when it comes to the ash trees, especially when you've got a nice large tree like that in your at your home and you want to protect it for a long time. Um, certainly, we we do start those treatments once the trees are fully in full leaf as well as fully expanded. So that's something that I would certainly. Have them take a look at and and do all the research, too, as far as what options they have available for that. I know we always on the show recommend if you have a major tree issue to call a certified. What is a certified arborist, anyway? A certified arborist is somebody that has met um, an experience um, level as well as an educational level and has passed an international exam to become ISA certified. That uh, There's a number of different levels within that. The base level is an ISA just the ISA certified arborist, as well as becoming an ISA board certified master arborist, which is additional credentials as well as years of experience. Oh, I had no idea. But you could use the term international, too. It, it is an international wow. credential, so you could go to Australia <laughs> and talk some of the same language about trees. Excellent. All right. Uh, again, if you have, uh, just joining us, if you have a specific tree question, uh, Gail Nazal is with us from uh, SNS Tree. And Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota. Of course, Mary, we always like to give the website for the U of M, too. Yes, the Extension website is extension.umn.edu, and click on Garden, and you can find lots of information there, what's wrong with my plant, disease uh, pictures and recommendations, what insect is this, what weed is this, lots of information. We're getting some new information now up on vegetables and oh. vegetable gardening because of the timing, yeah. and so many people are, are interested. And growing their own Such food. a great resource. On a rainy day, you could just <laughs> click on that and just look and, <laughs> and read. Get lost all day. At reading. <laughs> that's true. Yes, that's Let's right. go back to the phones. Uh, Chris in uh, Minneapolis, I think, is on the line. Chris, uh, we're all listening. Uh, I have a question about maintenance and uh, water changes for water hyacinth. I do not have a pond, and I will hang up. Okay. Okay. So I'm I'm not sure what the question is, but but maybe you're asking uh, if you change the water level, is your water hyacinth going to live? Maybe, maybe. But, but that's with her the saying question. that she doesn't have a pond, she doesn't have a pond. So uh, I have to say I'm going to have to look that up, uh, Chris. The uh, we have to be very careful about a lot of these pond plants being invasive plants and uh, how we actually take care of them. So um, I have to really look up water hyacinth. And many of these pond plants are not 
hardy in Minnesota so that they have to be replanted every year or taken care of indoors. So I don't think I have enough information to know exactly. Well, maybe what during the break we can is, do but, a little. But research. I will. I'll look sure. it up. All right. Uh, back to the phones. Pete is calling from Bloomington with, I think, a tree question. Go ahead, Pete. Yes. Uh, what I have is uh, Autumn Blaze Maple. Uh, planted it two years ago. It's about 15 feet tall now. It's growing real well. But what happened is some animal uh, scratched a bunch of the bark on it, so I need to know what I should do. Should I cover it? Should I leave it alone? Or should I cut the tree down? What could, what could have happened there in that bark? Well, it depends. I mean, certainly deer um, during the rut season sometimes will scrape up that nice smooth bark. Um, typically what you want to do is if you're seeing that there's bark that's starting to peel, just cut that off very cleanly and just and let it, um, let it, the tree kind of naturally seal over that over that area. So don't put anything on it. Just, okay. just let that be. If it's down to, to the wood or the cambium, you know, the tree will attempt on its own to try to seal over that area. Okay. Very good. Dennis, we need to take a break. Yes, sir. I think we do. All right. Hang on, everybody. Uh, there's a line open, 651-989-9226. We'll grab more calls and more text messages. Text number 81807. It's our Smart Garden Show here on 830-WCCO. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. And welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on 830-WCCO. In studio, Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota Extension. And along with Mary, we have a, 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 another visit we have from time to time. We're glad that Gail Nazal from SNS is the tree has uh, spent some time with us from time to time. It makes a difference because, as Mary knows, we get a lot of tree questions here. We get a lot of tree questions. Trees and lawns, they tend yep. to be our most popular Indeed. questions. So we're glad to have Gail with us. All right, Gail, we're going to put you back to work to, as well as Mary. Let's see who's been on the line here. It would be Jerry in Moundsview. Jerry, we're all listening. Good morning, everyone. Morning. Say, I have a group of uh, pine trees that are about 25 years old. And what I wanted to do is cut some of the branches down low, cut the branches up to about uh, six feet, and then plant some hosta underneath them. But in the process, I was going to do some edging around them. But last night, you know, the plastic edging is about six inches tall, and you have to dig into the ground to kind of bury that. As I was just kind of testing the ground about eight feet away from the trunks of the trees, I'm cutting into some roots, and I'm wondering if I should use some other type of border other than that plastic edging. I'm not sure if I'm hurting the trees, if I'm cutting into the roots. or So that's my question. If I should use bricks or not do the plastic. What do you guys think? Well, uh, I uh, I don't like that plastic myself. Uh, I find that that ends up heaving up and just being problematic. So I've actually removed that plastic from homes that I've purchased where they've had it. Uh, for the edging, I use a border of plants and uh, like the hosta that uh, lancifolia, the narrow-leafed hosta, and and I would use plants as your edging. I think that's, um, you're going to be digging anyway to put in these hosta. And if you really want to put that edging down, that's usually deeper and more work. So yeah. I, I just don't do that. Yeah. I, would you, agree. Yeah. I would plants. agree, Mary. I do more of a natural edging as far as just a little bit of a, almost on an, an angle, almost looks like a triangle when you're digging it, you know, so it's it's deeper at the edge and then more shallower t- mm-hmm. angling up towards the, um, towards the tree, I guess. And so then you can start and put in mulch and then 
your perennials in there. That way you can kind of avoid some of those roots without, without damaging them yeah. as much with like a, like a steel idea. or a plastic. Yeah, it, it becomes problematic years right. down the line. It becomes problematic. And, and when you're putting in perennials like you're talking about, you're avoiding mowing. And mowing is another thing that can damage the roots uh, or the trunk of the tree. So keeping the lawnmower away is a good idea. Yeah, great. Thank you, Jerry. Appreciate that. Uh, Philip is calling from Plymouth with a question. Go ahead, Philip. I have two apple trees, Harrelson and uh, Honey Gold. Always had apples every year. This year, those two trees never blossomed, but my other apple trees have. Wondering what's the problem. Yeah, we I I saw a lot of erratic blossoming this year, Philip, just like you did. Some trees were very heavy. Other trees, many of our crabapple trees had very, very spotty flowers on this year. So um, I I can't really give you the answer. Uh, normally, especially once these trees get older, like the Harrelson, the honey gold you're talking about, once they get a certain age, they will often be a good bearers for us. But they do go into this alternate bearing, which uh, if they're heavy bearing one year, they have a tendency not to bear so heavily the next year. So um, you might consider pruning the trees if there's a lot of foliage and the branches don't all have equal amount of light on them. You might consider uh, a quarter to a third of the branches doing some pruning. That could stimulate it to uh, do better uh, fruit production for next year. But otherwise, um, I haven't got a good answer for that, unfortunately. One of the things that we see sometimes on a regular basis, too, especially with the crab apples, is that in years when you have that real heavy flower production, the leaves sometimes are a little bit smaller with that initial flush of growth, and sometimes there's fewer. So the tree's real heavy. It's just that sometimes those, the tree chooses to put energy into blossoms versus leaves. Versus foliage. Yeah, so that does vary. Yeah, the other thing, the d- diseases that can come in, apple scab especially can totally defoliate some of the crabs and some of our apple trees, and that uh, causes a, a level of stress, a reduction of resources. So the next spring, the resources just aren't there. Absolutely. Yeah, that definitely does stress those trees long term. All right, back to the phones we go. Bonnie is calling from Mound, Minnesota. Go ahead, Bonnie. We're all listening. Hi. I have a uh, very pretty shaped hackberry tree, and it's about uh, 15 feet tall. It's it's a young tree, and the lower branches are uh, not very good when we come to mowing, and we, we have to duck. And so I wonder, can I trim those off now? Or should I just wait until winter? Ideally, um, you'll want to wait until till winter if you can. So if, as long as you can kind of cope with the mowing and kind of duck underneath those, um, the dormant season's an ideal time to prune. You can really see where that nice branch bark ridge is and be able to prune right outside of that. It can be done now, but I guess we prefer to wait until winter. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm looking at a text here. Uh, Mary, is there uh, any problem with allowing ivy to grow up on my brick chimney to the roof? Well, uh, that's a debatable thing. Um, the, this ivy is probably our Boston ivy, and that's a very hardy plant for us in Minnesota that has the um, clings by the uh, petioles and so on, grabbing on there. And that looks nice. A lot of people like the appearance of that. But um, over time, that can be a very aggressive vine. It can um, cause problems. So 
um, I guess in moderation maybe is the way to say you can go with that. So if you haven't had any trouble with it so far, so good. But um, there, you, you just have to really watch for it. Uh, sometimes it uh, becomes very aggressive. It takes over, yeah. Yeah, it can. It can. Mm-hmm. Ken in Egan is on the phone for us. Go ahead, Ken. Uh, hello. Uh, I've got uh, three ash trees, but last weekend one of them started losing about, oh, I'd say, almost three-quarter of its leaves, and it's, and they were all dropping uniformly. They've dropped uniformly. The other two ashes are fine. I've used a systemic uh, emerald ash borer uh, insecticide for quite a few years, at least 10 years, and it seems to work. And I, I hear that emerald ash borer kind of kills the tree from the top. This is just very uniform, and I'm wondering what might be going on. Well, Ken, what you're seeing there is something that was really common that we saw happen last, um, especially last weekend and in, into Monday. It's something called anthracnose, and it hit quite a few ash trees around the Twin Cities. Um, and it's something that does not affect the tree long term. It's just, it's, anthracnose is a disease, and like all diseases, need that host plant. They need a pathogen, of course, and they need the right environment. And when we have times like this where we've got the cool, wet times, you sometimes have some warm days like we've had, and it's just the perfect storm, so to speak, for having anthracnose. It typically happens in the lower part of the crown, so you see that rapid leaf, leaf loss overnight. Typically, the tree will send out, um, in maybe a month or so or less, another flush of leaves. So go ahead, and certainly you can mow those leaves up, but just make sure you keep that tree healthy. Obviously, watering, uh, don't need to do that right now. No. <laughs> but uh, keep the tree happy, and it should pull through just fine. Excellent. Uh, we have to take a break. We have another half hour of the show to go. We're very fortunate not only to have Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota with us, but Gail Nazal from SNS Tree. Uh, Gail, give us a phone number for SNS for folks that want to need a certified arborist. Yeah, give us a call at 651-451-8907. We'll mention that uh, number again before Gail takes her leave today. So hang on, folks on the line. And uh, if you want to send a text, we got a bunch of those. We'll get to those, too, at 81807. And good morning. Welcome back to CCO's Garden Show. We call it a smart garden show on 830WCCO in studio with us. Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota. Gail Nazal is with SNS Tree. We're answering all sorts of questions today. And I, Mary, I, you know that we always get a lot of text messages. I've never seen so many today, yes. which means really a lot. <laughs> really uh, a lot. But you want to kind of follow up on an earlier call about what was well, that? Uh, well, we had plant? the call, uh, the woman who mentioned the water hyacinth, and I'm not really sure what her question was, but she used the words maintenance, water hyacinth, et cetera. So water hyacinth is an invasive plant in the southern United States where it can live through the winter. Now, I don't think it can live through the winter in Minnesota, but we do have a lot of people who are pond enthusiasts and and have a pond and get what I consider to be tropical plants and will put them out in the summertime. So the what I would um, mention to any pond enthusiast or especially the woman who called about the water hyacinth is make sure you know what plants you've got. The plant identification is really key. So you can use our website for that or uh, there are a lot of information, is a lot of information online, but 
Take a picture of your plant, send it into the Master Gardener hotline. You can figure out what plant you have. And if it's an invasive plant like water hyacinth, uh, you have to really learn how to manage it and take care of it. There are uh, herbicides that will take care of that. But the water hyacinth will actually can self-seed. So it may be seedlings that are living. um, But plant identification is really important in understanding what's invasive and what's not. Texter says, can I trim the lower branches of a sugar maple tree now? You certainly can trim the, those lower branches. Um, one of the things that concerns people is they think they, you know, they see obviously some, some sap you know, leaking or you know, something. It, it's pretty natural this time of year just because those, the tree is sending all of its um, energy and resources into production of those leaves. So certainly go ahead and prune those. Okay. But I would consult an arborist too to do that uh, properly. And our Smart Garden Show every Saturday, we thank our friends at By the Yard for being a proud sponsor of this show. By the Yard Patio Furniture, now near Jordan, Minnesota. Cat uh, is calling from Long Lake with a question. Cat, you're on CCO. Good morning. Good morning. I bought a property that uh, had a it had been derelict for a while, and it has a big field, and there are a lot of small trees from one inch to three inches across that I cut off at the ground, hoping to kill them, but now they're just all sprouting up around where they were cut off. Uh, is there any way short of digging them all up to kill them? No, I, I'm sorry, Kat, I missed what plant you were that this is cutting off. So woody plants? Is that uh, what well, no, there are trees. What kind of tree do you know? They're mainly maples. Maple oh. trees, okay. So, yeah, so this is, yeah, digging up the roots is one way or painting the cut with a um, herbicide. So a lot of trees will, again, re-sprout from that um, area. Yeah, it just will take some time, and I would suggest some type of a herbicide. And rather than in spring, try to get that just painted on, like Mary had mentioned. That's Do them individually. The most direct. Right. Yeah. A labor of love yes. for all those trees. Cut, and it may take a few then, years. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. indeed. Uh, Kathy is calling from Somerset with a question. Kathy, good morning. Good morning. Um, I have a PJM rhododendron um, that is loaded with buds that don't bloom. Um, it's probably about 10 years old, gets plenty of light and water, give it acid fertilizer throughout the summer. Um, last year, I don't think any of the buds opened. This year, probably about 20% of them did. So I'm wondering if there's anything else I can do to have this looking like all the rhododendrons I see you know, early in the spring driving around. Yeah, what a disappointment that is. Um, I I can't. Uh, from the description of uh, the environment where you have it in full sun, plenty of water, uh, drainage, not a problem, no standing water. I, I'm not sure what's going on. We we occasionally see a disease like botrytis where flowers will form but not open, but they are brown and um, they never really fully develop. So, yeah, I, I can't explain why you're having a problem with that. Um, Soil test might be a good way to kind of get started to see if there's anything yeah. happening below ground. Right. The, uh, a soil test would be a good idea. Um, the PJM, it does like acidic soils, but it does tend to do okay in our alkaline soils as well. Um, I'm really wondering if there's something going on with that plant that might be a virus or something that's unusual. Um, because sometimes it, it, when things just don't go right, you just need to buy another plant or get another one and see if it does the same thing. But I, I'd start with a soil test. Okay, very good. Another Kathy, this one from St. Anthony is on CCO. Go ahead, Kathy. Good morning, and thank you for taking my call. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I have a couple evergreens in the backyard. They're about 15 to 20 feet tall. They're in a partially shaded area, and I continue to water them so they don't get desiccated. I think I'm doing everything right, but over the last several years, and it's getting alarming now, the needles turn rust-colored towards the center of the tree. And then usually, you know, normally they all kind of come back and it looks normal, but over the years... They are not coming back. They're getting, I can see through one tree. It's got the needles on the outside of the branches, and towards the trunk, it's open. And I have talked to a couple, three friends, and two have reported the same thing, and they have called tree tree services out who have sprayed the trees because they think it's some bug, and one tree service is injecting something. Now, the long-term uh, results of that are not known. They they have said that they think the tree is improving, but I don't know if that's just psychological or not. But it isn't because of lack of water, because I water my trees faithfully when they need it. Do you have any idea, and should I call a tree service? What, what do you think? Well, since I'm an arborist, of course, yes. I just call, <laughs> call tree service. But what it's something that I, we see quite a bit all over the all over the metro area. And if it's a short needle, which is probably a spruce tree, there's a lot of, of fungal diseases, several different ones that can um, affect those trees, especially if they get to be, you know, that 15 to 20-year-old range. Um, try to direct, We were talk- Mary and I were talking about this earlier, try to direct all the irrigation away from, um, if you do have an irrigation system, away from the needle. You know, try to keep, out, keep it away from the foliage, mm. exactly. Um, because they don't typically like to, to stay wet. Um, it's a great idea to keep them watered right now. Certainly don't need to do any watering. But um, it does sound very, it sounds a lot probably like rhizosphere needle cast is what it, you're describing. Yeah, it could be. And with the wet weather that we have had naturally, uh, unless these are really new plants, and I don't think you mentioned they were new, uh, you could be actually be giving them too much water. And uh, many of our spruce, if it is a spruce, like more of an upland drier site. So the first thing I'd try to figure out is what kind of evergreens you really have. When you first started talking, I thought they were arborvita. But then when you mentioned the word needle, I thought they must be spruce. And so if you know what plant you have, then you can look at what are the most likely problems associated with those species. So that's kind of the first step. And and sometimes if it's not a real sunny area, uh, with time, a branch just doesn't have enough sunlight to, to uh, support all of the foliage on the inside of the plant. It's just not enough light. Yeah, definitely You know, consult with an arborist and, and take a look at your site, and, and they'll give you some good recommendations. This is kind of on the same subject. Good morning. I have a roll of pine trees, I believe, are spruce that are about 25 to 30 feet tall, and over the last five years, the needles seem to be dropping uh, rather rapidly from bottom up. I see a small little almost like spider-like web string last weekend and last summer. Any idea what that could be? Sounds a lot like spider mites. So yes. and certainly we see, and sometimes when they become stressed you know, with disease, sometimes you do see a lot of spider mite infestations. So it kind of depends. Again, it's something that can be treated, but then you have to assess. Maybe it's a, not the right plant for the right place either, and you may need to reassess. Is that, do I need to put something else in? 
Mm-hmm. You know, we from time to time, we uh, I know you guys at the U recommend a soil sample. You mentioned that phrase earlier. And somebody sent in a, a text. They, they said, this is a busy time of year for that, isn't it? It is a busy time of year, but uh, they get through the samples. But, yeah, yeah, if, if you're not sure, if you've never had a soil test, you're not sure what you've got, that's one way to start with what you're dealing with. Another thing with the, with the evergreens is um, if, the, if it's a dry site or if it's a wet site, there are there are ones that like drier conditions like the blue spruce and there are ones that like wetter conditions like the larch and the black spruce. So you really need to know what your where your water table is and how uh, wet the area is because there are evergreens that will do better in different locations. Some do prefer more – will tolerate more shade like a yew will – uh, and others want uh, really more sun, like the blue spruce. Norway spruce is another great tree that's very versatile, too. That's a, right. I'd recommend very few insect disease issues with that. That's a good choice. Right. And not as many people will pick a Norway because they love the beautiful uh, blue spruce. But that uh, the blue spruce is it's, it's really very picky on site, and it's not really a long-lived tree. Mike Sins, a friend of mine, used to call it the sailboat tree because it, it would, <laughs> it would uh, go over with the storms really easily. Oh, oh. Uh, Mary and Gail, hang on. We have to take a bit of a break here. We have more show to come, especially if you have a tree question. Gail Nazal from SNS with us today, along with Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota. So hang in. We have a lot of callers, a lot of texters. We'll get to as many as we can. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. And welcome back to the remaining minutes of our Smart Garden show in studio. Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota, along with Gail Nazal, who is with SNS Tree. And, uh, you know, I wanted to do before uh, I forget, first of all, as Gail, you mentioned it, that, that, that uh, well, bring us up to date on what, what uh, folks can do with, uh, thanks to SNS. Yeah, so it, when we're thinking about pruning and things like that, we do have our our yard is open every Saturday for uh, for residents to come and drop off free of charge um, any brush, woody brush that they want. Um, we also sell um, any mulch um, mm. that they may be interested in. Well, it's from seven thirty a.m. to noon every Saturday. So Please. stop on by. We also have an, a certified arborist on site every Saturday too, so you can also ask them questions of things that might be happening in their yard too. How about a location and a phone number? Too? Our location is uh, just a quarter mile north of 494 on 405 Hardman Avenue, and our number is 651-451-8907. S&S, a Davy Tree Company. Yes, Gail is still with us today along with Mary Meyer, and uh, no, no, uh, nothing different here, Mary. We still have callers <laughs> and about 6 million text messages. Let's see who's been waiting on the line, though. Uh, Jeannie is calling from Montgomery with a question. Go ahead, Jeannie. Good morning, all. Morning. Hey, let's change this conversation of conifers over to pine trees now. Uh, over the last 10 years, I've been planting a diversified stand of pines, um, Austrian, Scotch, Eastern Whites. And, uh, of course, they're about 15, 20 feet tall. In the last few years, of course, we've had lots of rain. My Eastern Whites have been looking pretty stressed. And they, you know, they changed just a little bit of their color, and then, you know, you can see the needles fading, and then, boom, they die. So last year in the last-ditch effort, um, just the eastern whites only, because um, it was so wet, I cut all the branches. It just killed me. I cut all the branches from the ground level up about four feet to try to get some air under the feet of the tree. And I think I managed to save uh, a bunch of the trees. I should also mention that these trees are planted on a fairly steep grade, so they're not standing in water. 
Do you think that potentially fertilizing some of these eastern whites might help them? We're in a heavy clay soil here, and I just don't know how to save them. And I know it's probably not their native uh, planting area, but I'd sure like to not lose any more of them. I see I have two, two more dead. You know, it's it's interesting. Just uh, I think a week ago, Friday, I saw some white pine out in the West Metro that had very similar appearance of what you're describing, um, kind of a what I'd call kind of a mottling yellowish green um, look to the needles. Um, these were planted, maybe perhaps a little bit too deep, um, but it is uh, noticing a little bit more and more. So it no signs of insect or disease. So I, it leads me to think that it's more of a cultural concern. So. You know, increasing airflow around trees is, is terrific. Um, looking, again, you know, going to go back to that soil test, making sure we've got the right site. I mean, they can tolerate some little bit heavier soil sometimes, but I don't know, Mary, if you have any ideas, yes. but it, it's it's more and more we're seeing it. Right, and and the yellowish kind of discoloration, I saw that on uh, pines through the winter as we came winter and early spring. To me, it was winter stress. It was just... Uh, you know the the wind conditions, the um, extreme temperature variation through the winter, and hopefully the the eastern white pine will grow out of that. Um, so I, I like eastern white pine, and I think it's a it's a great tree, but it does not have a lot of tolerance for really wet soils. I mean, standing water, it, it, I don't no. think at all. No, they do like upland sites more. You yeah. could consider fertilization, uh, doing some deep root fertilization, but make sure that you've got a slow release type of fertilizer product and something that's got a very low salt index as well. Yeah, knowing the pH of what your soil is, I I would say would be pretty important. That would tell you what nutrients are available. So having a soil test would be a good idea. Well, I wish we had about six more hours, but we don't. (laughs) And the show is almost over. We have seconds to go, but for folks that did not get the website from the UMM. The website, yes, extension.umn.edu. Click on garden for all your garden questions. Uh, Get out to the arboretum, the end of the tulips, another week or so of looking at those beautiful citrus-colored tulips. Lots of things blooming at the arboretum. And if you want to get in touch with SNS Tree, Gail, how about that location again and the phone number? Our phone number is 651-451-8907. You can find us at sstree.com as well as at our location at 405 Hardman Avenue in South St. Paul. I'm glad you remember the website. I forgot to ask you about it. Great to see you again, Gail. Good to see you too. Thanks you for too, having Mary. me Mary. Thanks Great again. Great to be here, Denny. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.